You're listening to Brick to the Future, the property investment show for everyday Australians. We cut through the white noise so you can minimise risk and make smart, informed investment decisions. If you're after tips and strategies while building a property portfolio that suits your lifestyle, you're in the right place. Today, we are talking about how can property investment help in planning for a, uh, a superior retirement. I'm here with our Open Court Group CEO, Matt Lewison. Really great to see you. Thanks, boys. Um, so, I guess to, to, to kick off, um, you know, when, when we think about retirement planning, uh, it's, you know, used to be pretty much shares, property, or tax lotto with the different strategies that you could employ. Um, probably throw Bitcoin in the tax lotto bucket. So, if we kind of think about shares versus property and as the main, uh, I guess, reliable vehicles that would grow their wealth, we improve their retirement. What are the key things that people need to understand? Um, and I guess what's the what's the bigger picture that's not always communicated when it comes to these two different asset classes? Yeah, uh, I guess people often um, talk about the fact that shares and property over the last 30 years have pretty closely mirrored each other in terms of total returns. Uh, residential property has outperformed shares, but I wouldn't say that on an index basis, it's overly like it smashed shares out of the, out of the park. And that's where I think a lot of people's proponents for shares in particular start to really draw on that. They say, well, shares might be better because of producer higher income, whatever it might be. Um, but what they fail to really grasp is that um, there's a huge difference between uh, shares and property in terms of the leverage that you can employ and, or use it for your benefit. And um, if I kind of use my, my dad as a great, as, as a, Quick example, he's retired uh, in his late 60s now. He's been retired for some time, but he has about 50% of his portfolio today as shares, 50% property. Uh, he loves the shares because he likes to trade them and he loves talking about what he bought and all the good deals that he got. And he never talks about the ones that lost. I love like all my mates who go to the races and never never tell you how much they, they look for the bookie. But um, if you go back 10 years ago, his portfolio was 90% property, 10% shares. And if you go back 20 years ago, it was 100% property. Uh, and that doesn't hasn't changed because he suddenly realized shares are better than property and I did the wrong thing. What What's happened is that he used, and he understood really early, the benefits of leverage. And he used leverage to his advantage through his 30s, 40s, 50s by buying property and growing his, his uh, portfolio of property. And then as he cleared his debt and transitioned to retirement, he started selling off some of his properties. And now he sits surplus cash either in the bank or is using it to, to buy shares because it has different liquidity mechanisms for him. Um, and he still likes to own property and he certainly wouldn't be in the position he's in now if he had have just gone straight for shares because it would have been a very tough grind and got nowhere near his level of wealth if he was just relying on his savings, going into buying more shares and you know, reinvesting those dividends as opposed to you know, borrowing 80% of a property's value and having that go up um, with the market price. So uh, so obviously, I, I, I don't like people to think that, um, that we're anti-shares at all. We'd certainly see that shares have a, have a place in people's portfolios at different times and for different um, reasons. Uh, but for somebody trying to grow their wealth and get into a position to be able to retire, um, property absolutely smashes shares every day of the week. Awesome. 
great insight. So given that we might have some investors on as uh, as listeners, let's uh, let's use some really round numbers to illustrate what you've just said there. So uh, if I said to you, uh, hey, Matt, you can get a 10% per annum return with property or you can get a 12% per annum return with shares, uh, then Joe or Joanne Public's going to say, oh, I'll invest in the shares because of the return part. Um, but leverage being the fact that you can actually put in your money, but borrow a large chunk of the, the in this case, the, the property value, um, gives you a much larger asset base on which to get that 10% growth, right? So really round numbers. I know they're not perfect just to illustrate the uh, the topic here uh, and keep it simple. Let's say that you had, had 100,000 to invest and you put that 100,000 buying a property, you could probably borrow the other 500000 quite easily and have a $600,000 property or thereabouts. Now, that growing at 10% per annum means that in year one, your wealth has increased by 60 k On the flip side, if you invest that $100,000 in the share market, because there's, uh, while you can get leverage in the share market, it comes with much higher risk and much higher exposure that most people are uh, about professional investors aren't comfortable with. If you just invest that 100000 and you get 12% growth on that, then you've made $12,000. So in year one alone, you're five times better off investing in property than shares. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that helps uh, helps everyone. Now, um, you talked about your, uh, your dad and the fact that he's now retired. Uh, there may well be some people out there in yeah, their, their late 40s, early 50s, um, thinking, oh, you don't have a left or two late to get started. That's something that we hear a lot talking to, talking to our clients, as you know. Um, yeah, we've had a really good case study of uh, investors who um, came across us, started working with us 10 years ago um, and retired last year. So and they started in their early 50s. Um, so maybe just talk to the point around why if you've got a 10-year horizon, that's that's plenty of time to build a property portfolio. Yeah, Um Look, I think one of the key things to start with is that what I have also seen personally is that as people approach retirement, if they're not in a position to retire, they start they can start to take larger risks because they think my window just to make a big difference is shrinking. And so they start to um, invest in places that they probably wouldn't have. Now, um, that the key thing here, and I guess people who... Um, who perhaps don't realize is that residential property has been a really solid performer. It's actually been the least volatile uh, investment class in Australia. When you compare shares, um, managed trusts, uh, and so on, property has very low volatility, has very few negative years, essentially. So you sleep a lot better. So you sleep a lot better. Uh, so depending on the strategy that you employ in residential property, it can be a lower risk than other types of investments. Um, and you don't need 20, 30 years. Obviously, the longer you have, the better. Um, but certainly if you use the right strategy and you're investing in property and you're able to start and aim to buy two to three properties in that 10-year period, then you can have a huge impact on the total outcome. Uh, again, if you're starting with just a couple of hundred thousand, but you've got enough income, people in their 50s are actually generally earning a lot more than people in their 20s and 30s. Um, they've often also got kids who have moved out so the burden, the financial burden starts to diminish, uh, which frees up for a really short window of time this extra capacity to um, to fund into investments. Uh, so 
focusing that over five years to buy a couple of properties and then sit on those properties for the next five years can make um, more than a million dollars difference to the retirement savings. And that doesn't require a huge amount of return. Um, you don't need to be taking huge risks to get properties that will go up. Um, even if it's 5 to 7% per year in capital growth, um, if you own three properties and let's call that $2 million um, worth of property that you're holding going up 7%, that's $140,000 a year. Do that for five years, uh, suddenly you're at $700,000 extra equity just in that five-year window. Um, so it's not that hard once you kind of break it down and you, you put the steps in place. Um, but again, the earlier you start, once you realize that you kind of have this ground to make up, the better off you would be um, and the less you will feel like you need to engage in some of the riskier strategies of property investment, flipping or development um, and other other aspects that, that could expose that that capital to risk. So, so a, a bit of a bit of well-thought-out planning um, avoids the need to kind of play rapid up and get rich quick. Uh, which, as we know, generally means lose money fast, um, or at least in uh, in the open court language, it does. So um, that leads into a, a good question, I guess. You know, when should uh, when should people start considering this? Because uh, I guarantee, if, you, if you're listening to this, and when you heard me say retirement at the at the start of the conversation, you probably thought, oh, I don't need to worry about that because that's you know miles in the future. Mm. Um, you've just talked about the power of time. When should people start thinking about these things and and be considering how they could improve their situation. Well, I think that every person can be thinking about from the age of 18, 20, um, how to improve their life, right? We all aspire to have a better life tomorrow than we had today or in the past. Um, Obviously, the closer you get to retirement, the less window of time you're going to have for your income to support your investment goals. But um, it's something that, yeah, other than perhaps in that small window of time where people are, um, in fact, even then, when people have just started having children and they're, you know, you've got to start to juggle different things. I mean, we still see people successfully growing investment portfolios then. So I think as soon as you realize that what you've been doing in the past hasn't achieved what you wanted it to achieve or what you want in the future, you absolutely need to start taking steps to, to make changes. And that can start by educating yourself to know what you need to have and what what you need to put in place to be able to take positive steps forward. So true. We're um, we're uh, my wife uh, Beck and I. We were just talking on the uh, on the weekend. So our eldest eleven in a couple of months, and we were just talking about how um, we we're doing this birthday party invitation. We were talking about how quickly eleven years has gone, uh, and um, yeah, we were able to or decided to buy a property. Um, Right before he was born, because our servicing was better, and obviously kids impact your uh, your borrowing capacity. Um, and, and so I, I, just, I just looked up, you know, the the, the value of uh, of that property that we bought, and uh, you know it's, it's pushing eight hundred thousand now. And uh, they said, "Oh, you know, what did we buy it for?" I said, "Well, I remember it was three hundred ninety-seven thousand five hundred because it was under four hundred k." Yeah, and at the time I'm like, "Oh." Property's nearly four hundred thousand. I'm like, guys, you know, it's really got a lot more expensive than I bought the first one for two hundred sixty-seven thousand. But um, yeah, our, our kind of kids are, are you know more than ten years old. Time's flown, but that's the kind of thing that can happen with one property, you know, let alone multiple. So I think it's a really good 
uh, lesson that you're uh, that you're leaving leaving for people there. Get started as soon as you can because time flies, um, and you know stay focused. So when you can add to your portfolio, do so because I think one of the big misconceptions out there is that you need a massive portfolio to be successful, which we know you don't. Um, what was that book like? Zero to one hundred and thirty properties in two weeks or whatever it was called. Um, you know, and that was based on a completely different strategy where you needed that. But as soon as prices grew and deposit requirements increased, it just wasn't a strategy that was feasible. So, um, you know, it's uh, I guess it's important for people to realise that you don't need a massive portfolio; you just need something that works. Yeah, spot on. And look for people who are in their let's call it late forties and in their fifties. What somebody can do in their 20s or 30s, growing the portfolio of three to four properties on a pretty modest income as most of us have, like coming through 20s or 30s. Somebody in their 40s and 50s can do in a much shorter space of time. And we've seen it time and time again because of that extra servicing capacity and um, extra savings or equity that you've already built up in your own home. Um, it, it surprises people once they really understand the strategy, how easy it is for them to to grow their wealth in a really short space of time without taking on a lot of risk. Well, that was Mark and Sue's success recipe, wasn't it? Yeah, coming to us in the in the in their early fifties, and because they had equity in their home and they had double income with with kids that is you know uh, weren't all dependent, um, and they followed the plan where it was now they bought two to start with and then one every year for the next three years. In four years, they had these five properties, and fast forward to year ten, um, it's created amazing. Uh, an amazing outcome for them that uh, that they just wouldn't have got through through super or shares. So, um, I guess if we think about um, the alternative, right? Because there'll be people out there that are thinking property investment risky. You know, I haven't done it before; it's scary. Um, all of those things, which are uh, which are uh, valid um, emotions to feel, uh, it's very easy to overcome those. I guess, like it is with anything, having a coach and people that can support you, but. Um, I've often talked to people about you know, being aware of the alternative and that that's far more scary. So, you know, what, what does that look like? What, what are the, the kind of factors that, that um, you know, people need to consider and what does the retirement look like if they don't have a solid retirement plan that factors in, you know, inflation and they are relying on it? Well, as I said um, earlier, the, as people approach retirement, um, the there is a propensity to take greater and greater risk if somebody's not comfortable with what they've got and kind of are staring down the barrel of a less than comfortable uh, retirement. Um, and decisions that are forced upon people as well to um, live perhaps in places that are much worse than where they've lived perhaps previously. Um, and it's really taking significant steps backwards in terms of lifestyle uh, at a time when you should really be enjoying your life and getting the benefit of the hard work um, that you've put in over the years. Now, obviously, the big difference between somebody who's got a comfortable retirement and somebody who, who doesn't often comes down to the decisions that were made along the way, not necessarily how hard they worked, but the decisions they, they made um, and the investments that they, they made along the way, whether that was to start investing early or start educating themselves about investing and then be in a position to to invest. Um, so I think, look, I've actually, uh, um, to use a, a personal story, and uh, 
I had somebody house sitting my house recently who is retired, a friend of um, friend of a family member. Um, he doesn't have anywhere else to, to live, so he's kind of been house sitting in his sixties, house sitting for friends and friends of friends, uh, and otherwise living with his his kids um, and a great income along the way. Um, just different decisions that were made um, led to him not being in a position to, um, I guess, find his own retirement at the end. And um, yeah, I think uh, it's yeah, it's something that I, I if people sometimes put off thinking about their retirement because it is scary and you don't want to think about something that stresses you out or worries you. Um, but again, I just say it doesn't take that much thought to take the right step, to put one step forward towards getting a little bit of education and businesses obviously help. Um, so one step forward to speak to somebody who knows what they're doing, who can help you take those steps uh, beyond that first step so that you really um, look forward to a more comfortable retirement. You don't have to stop like, avoiding the thought of it and even start looking forward to it and, and enjoying it. It's really about thriving, not surviving, right? Yeah. And, um, I, I think about the two main um, income sources that people talk about in retirement at the pension. And, uh, you know, the, the pension... Um, just even thinking about it kind of makes you want to put yourself into dialogue and go, I can't handle that because at the last check, you know, a comfortable um, pension for a single was in a business quite a year for a couple at 60,000. Um, I'd hate to look what life looked like when you're supposed to be thriving and traveling and yeah. rewarding yourself for, you know, the first kind of 50 or 60 years of your life that you worked really hard to, uh, to then have to diminish your lifestyle so significantly because the available cash flow is just so much less than, than what you're used to, um, that's a good enough motivator to you know to uh, to be doing something else and and investing in my view. Um, and and with super, you know, you'd see all those uh, uh, those industry super ads, and especially the ones with the people on a lift versus someone else. And I, I could never I could never understand like the the best case scenario that was offered uh, mm. was someone that had around 250000 in their super um, retirement age. Now, that might sound like a big number, a quarter of a million bucks, um, but when we've had inflation where we've had it and the fact that the value of cash is being eroded at a, at a rapid rate, um, you know, and the fact that if you do some simple numbers that say you take 5% of your super every year, 5% of the 250000 round numbers 13000 um, hardly anything that you're know, going to be creating amazing lifestyle in, in retirement. So um, let's say that you switched on, let's say that you make some good decisions and let's say that you've given yourself some time um, of 10 years or more to, to create an amazing, uh, amazing um, yeah, set of carefree moments or, or retirement, whatever that might mean to you. Um, what happens when you decide to retire as a property investor? So you've talked about how your dad shifted in terms of asset classes. Um, what are the other options that are available as exit strategies? Yeah, so look, I think the the first one uh, that comes to mind is living off income. Um, and again, in retirement, for most people, the easiest terms to put in is income, um, not a lump sum. I mean, it sounds nice. Well, the 
250 grand, as I said, can sound like a big number, big number um, to to some people. But what does it mean in terms of income? What does a million dollars mean in terms of income? What is it like? It, it, that total number is really driven by what you need every year to be able to live the life you want. Going on holidays if you want to go on holidays, um, supporting your family, ensuring you're getting good care if you need health support. Um, so to transition to, to getting that income, I mean, part of it is either you build a portfolio of properties and you um, ensure that your income is far exceeding the debt and which case, or your servicing of interest costs and the surplus um, that you're getting is is income that you receive and that would should grow over time as rents go up over time and your interest cost goes down as debt might be paid off. Um, so that's one option. Uh, now that does require a very, very early start um, for a, a larger portfolio to have a meaningful impact. Now, um, if you talk, let's call $500 a week being kind of a reasonably like a a rent that you could assume you'd be able to achieve in most places around Australia right now if you owned a property outright. Um, that's 25000 a year before cost. Let's take that down to 20000 after you've covered rates and all that sort of stuff. So one property with no debt is 20000 a year. Um, two properties with no debt, $40,000 a year and so on. Um, then alternative way of looking at it is that you have four properties with debt is could be the same as two properties without debt. Um, so there's different ways to kind of manage that. And again, it depends on what your income is during the growth phase and kind of what your, your plan is afterwards, what other savings you have. Um, then there is also, um, I guess, what we would call more of a transition to retirement, which would be selling off some of some properties. If you've built up four or five properties in your portfolio, you held those for five to 10 years. So the value continues to go up and the debt stays stable or goes down. Then you're in a position that if you sold one or two properties, you can often clear your debt. Uh, and then you own maybe three properties, get three. Um, and you can live off that sort of $70,000, $60,000 a year, but growing um, in that income indefinitely. And so the, the goal would be to kind of sit on those properties for as long as you need. And you can, if you need extra cash one year, you can sell one of those and um, yeah, obviously have a very big cash bucket after that. Um, what we kind of tend to see and what I've, um, what I really advocate for is more of what's called the domino effect, uh, which is what my dad used and something that I modeled for him when he was going through this process about 13 years ago to work out what does his retirement look like and how does he shift his big asset base to something he can live off. Cause he also did have a, a fair bit of debt still. Um, and the domino effects look more like using surplus income for a short period of time to pay down the debt on one of the investment properties. Now, as that debt reduces, the surplus cash flow increases because there's less interest cost and the rents stay stable or go up. So it took a couple of years to pay off that first property for him, but then second was a lot faster because now he had an extra kind of $20,000 of cash flow going towards it. And after the second, the third, and then the fourth, it kind of snowballed until the point where he had no no debt left in his portfolio. Um, now that kind of again that comes back to the fact that he had a really solid income in his fifties, and he was able to do that a lot faster than somebody in their forties could do, uh, or somebody in their thirties. So uh, 
again, it's understanding the cycle, the life cycle of a property investor um, to understand there's different times when certain strategies are going to work better for you than I was. And it's not one size fits all because that strategy wouldn't necessarily work for somebody else who, um, who were, had different circumstances. Uh, they're kind of the, the main ones that I always um, come to. I know there is also living off equity, which is kind of using the growth in your asset base and kind of redrawing to access some of the, um, that value through increasing your debt. Um, that's become less prevalent in recent years, just as obviously lending restrictions um, or lending conditions have changed and also people's propensity to want to have debt going into retirement changes as well so um they're kind of the four main ones that uh come to mind for me but i probably if i missed any no no I, I was all i was going to say was um yeah and it's very individual as you say but depending on the exit strategy that you choose at various points it might be a little bit from part a from part b it might not be you know and so one particular strategy that you have to determine at the starting to the end, uh, you know, it is flexible and fluent, and that's where, you know, while we talk about property being a, a long-term investment, if you can keep your finger on the pulse and be consistently reviewing where things are at in line with the goals that you've got, uh, then you can make sure that the portfolio is working as effectively as you can, and you're just being agile. Um, you know, I think the the can talks about it a lot, and 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 we talk about it a lot as well. That um, I think a lot of people when they start out think because properties are long we're always told properties are not fair investment so it's almost like buy it yet and then click your fingers and in 20 years it will work for you which is true but you actually start to create wealth um you know at a very rapid rate you know we, we've got clients that are 150,000 up in about 18 months in terms of growth the rent is 200 dollars a week more than what they were budgeting on there's an instant increase in wealth effect that happens in the short term uh, you know, where they start to get some positive reinforcement around the decisions that they've made. Yeah. Uh, it's not like you've got to wait 20 years to kind of see the fruits of your labor. So, 100%. Uh, yeah. I guess one other thing, just as I talk about uh, kind of preparing for, for retirement, um, there's been a few cases where people that I know we've been uh, mentoring, coaching, and um, they've started talking about selling off some properties as they kind of approached retirement. And, um, Ultimately, what they ended up doing, which put them hundreds of thousands of dollars ahead, because they're in a great position to be able to duplicate, but they were thinking about, oh, I want to pay off this debt. They ended up buying an extra property. And within three to four years, like having bought in the right capital city location that caught a rising market, then they were able to sell off that property, having made a couple of hundred thousand on not just the one that they bought, but the one that they would have sold as well. And they're able to reduce their debt, debt a lot faster. Um, so again, it can act counterintuitive to perhaps how people might um, might consider the best approach if they haven't been through it and they're not kind of an expert who studies the market and understands kind of having seen hundreds of people go through an exit and planning for retirement, what has and hasn't worked. So um, yeah, there's a lot of different things. And again, it just comes back to the need to, uh, have a plan um, to be well informed and make sure that you know you only get one shot at it. Often in terms of that transition to retirement, so um, yeah, putting your best foot forward. Awesome. 
Um, that was a great summary. Look, uh, hopefully that's been uh, been helpful for everyone to start thinking about retirement planning, uh, whether that be your actual retirement or just being able to have a bit more choice in life around what you do with uh, improving your lifestyle with a, a lower reliance on the income that you are uh, under Friday 9 to 11 the need to uh, to be working full-time perhaps. So um, absolutely, understand your options, understand leverage, uh, get your properties pledged right, give yourself plenty of time, um, avoid the pension at all costs because it's not going to be a fantastic outcome uh, and you've got a, a number of exit strategies that are available uh, to you to, uh, to ensure that you can start to enjoy the fruits of your labour sooner rather than later as well. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys.